welcome to the Ornithopter Flight Academy. My name's Brendan. Joined as always, I have Josh with me. Josh, how are we doing this evening? Doing fantastic. What's up, Brendan? Oh, living the dream here. Just got my butt kicked in my first Brothers War draft. I know, I uh, watched. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, for you guys that don't know, uh, I did my first Brother Wars draft. I wasn't able to do any pre-releases this weekend. Uh, my girlfriend was a little under the weather, so just kicked it at home. I personally played the Vintage Challenge. I am a professional 3-3 three and three Magic player. That will forever be my record. In my defense, two of the players I played against made top eight. It was a lot of fun. Once again, I know I talked about this last week, so I won't go into it. But if you play challenges, especially Legacy, Standard, and Vintage, it's really easy to make your money back, plus a little profit and a good practice against good players on Magic Online. So I definitely would consider that. Speaking of uh, pre-releases and stuff, though, you did a fair amount of those because you get paid to do those. I do. Uh, I joined in all but one of the pre-releases at my shop this weekend. It was a lot of fun. Got to see some people I hadn't seen in a while, play a bunch of games of Magic, open a bunch of cards. Always a good time. Uh, I had no pools that were particularly exceptional. They set overall just seemed a little bland to me, but I did have a good time. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's something just special about pre-releases, especially pre-releases of paper. You know, the guy you haven't seen in three months, uh, four months, whatever. Usually since the last pre-release that used to be an FNM regular comes out of the woodworks to play. Everyone's excited about the bad rares they pull that end up being worth $2 two months later. Oh, yeah, Ooh. there was all kinds of excitement over the crazy mythics and retros. Yeah, the retros do make this set really cool, though. Touch on that real quick. I know we didn't talk about it before the podcast, but the retros have fairly done a decent impact on some of these cards' second market price. Um, what's it like? Mox Amber is $30 now? Yeah, I, as of as of today, and the prices have been fluctuating heavily because that's what happens when a pre-release comes out. But my, the Mox schematic is at about 40 and Mox regular retro is at about 30 which is a nice change. Other cards like Mishra's Bubble have gone down to $3, $4. A lot more accessible. And it's cool to see Wizards do a reprint into a standard set like this that actually has an impact. Um, so... If you're looking to pick those cards up, now's probably a good time. A lot of those staple cards are going to go back up. That's just how this works. But while everyone's opening it up, it'll be pretty cheap. So I'll probably pick up my Mox Ampers here soon for the twice a month I play Paper Magic. But also, speaking of seals, just so everyone knows, I'm not a big arena player, but as of right now, there's about 30, and right now is midnight on the 16th. As of right now, there's 30-some hours left for you to go on Arena, and you can do a Phantom Sealed, and it's absolutely free. So if you want to get some experience in there, you have an Arena account, jump on, do it on your phone. Building your deck on Arena is hard on your phone because the screen's tiny, but I thought it was worth mentioning. I thought it was really cool that they did that. Uh, Daybreak Games taken over has finally started to show some problems over the last week. Uh, for you guys that don't know, Escape, the escape mechanic was bugged. 
luckily it got fixed. Uh, I don't know exactly what was wrong with it. I don't know if you could just cast the card or it cost a bajillion mana, something like that. They did get it fixed before all the weekend challenges. And like there was a vintage showcase qualifier or showcase challenge this weekend. And they got it fixed before all that. And Underworld Breach is a big deck in there. So I'm glad they got that fixed. Also, a bunch of the cards that are going to be legal in Pioneer and Modern, mostly, what is it, Diabolic Intent? That uh, was the one that saw the most uh, play during the little window it was available. Yeah, for about 24 hours, all the cards that were getting reprinted, you could play on Magic Online. Uh, I don't know. I don't hate on Daybreak Games so much. Wizards when they ran Magic Online, had just as many issues. There's going to be a growing period. I'll cut them some slack for now. And if you follow them on Twitter, they seem to be really, they communicate really well about everything going on. Uh, the other big issue, and this one is fairly annoying, let's say the results from the challenge come up. The top eight only shows the top eight as it was from the, uh, the Swiss. So if you were first place in the Swiss and the final results will show that you got first. So as far as keeping track of that data, uh, data it's not 100% accurate, which for a lot of content creators is annoying. Um, so yeah. But besides that, I think they're overall doing a good job. The client's moving fast. Um, anything you want to add on this? Yeah, they brought back best one. I'm thrilled. Uh, I'm very happy with uh, how things are going on Magic Online at the moment. Best one is a format for draft where you can draft your deck. Then you will play until you either get to seven wins or three losses. And it's really cool because the prize structure is very fair. If you go three and three, you get 60 points back out of the 120 that you had to pay to get in. If you go four and three, you get 90 back. If you go five and three, you get all your points back, plus you get a booster pack. Anything above that is just a bonus. I love it. I'm going to do an absolute ton of them. I did a whole bunch of those when Dominaria United had them for a limited time. And the expiration on this one says end of January. So you're going to probably have this as a new normal for Magic Online. And if you like it, play it. That's the biggest thing. I don't do a whole bunch of drafts, but I want them to know. I appreciate them having this. Uh, the payouts for draft leagues have kind of been poopy. And the cool thing is, is if you have a bad deck, you just lose three games and you're done. But if you have a good deck that you like playing, you get to play up to ten games with it, or nine games with it, theoretically. So, no. i really big fan of the best of one. The one thing they stole from Arena that I really like. It's a lot more easy to go quote-unquote infinite. And just in case you guys don't know, it's not a phantom thing either. You still get to keep your cards. So if you get three wins, if you go 50-50, you get half your play points back plus the cards you open in your pack. Also, it's good to know it's in the league style. You get to play the games at your own pace. So you could play a game after you draft, come back the next day, play two more, come back the next day, play the rest, however you want to do it. Yeah, no, I'm, I am pretty excited about all that. Uh, another interesting news thing that came out this weekend, Moxfield, which is a big deck building site. If you guys haven't checked it out already, I know they sponsor a lot of content creators. They don't sponsor us yet, but we'll take it. So if you're listening, Moxfield, hit me up. I'll tell you <laughs> the email. All right. They 
decided that they're going to have a social media platform that is based around magic. And I'm so excited and scared all at the same time. Uh, what Moxfield does right now is really good. If you guys have never been on there, you can build your decks. A lot of EDH players uh, keep all their deck lists on there, especially for CDH. And you can make primers that explain how the deck's supposed to function. Uh, if you're new to CDH and you look at a deck list, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. You can take sample hands and you can goldfish whatever decks. Uh, yeah, it's a really great site. And I think they're going to do a really good job. But if you're on Magic Twitter or Facebook groups or Reddit, you'll understand why I'm scared because I have no faith in people on the internet anymore. But if this does happen and release to the public, Josh, will you finally get into social media? I imagine you'll probably make me. Good, good. I'm glad you understand that that's how that's going to work. So... This week's always kind of a weird week in Magic, because pre-release happened, but the set's not out yet. We've already kind of talked about our thoughts about Brothers War. Next week, we get to start finding out how wrong we are. We have the RC, or the Regional Championship, held by DreamHack down in Atlanta, which is the first regional championship that's happening since they brought back the Pro Tour system. And that is happening... the. 25th and 26th that weekend i am 99 percent sure um I, let me double check that date i am not ready that's mm -hmm. right i haven't kept up on that either so i have it is just sure. kind of no, I lied. It is this weekend. It's the 18th to the 20th. I thought it was really weird. There, I got my dates mixed up. Um, so it is this upcoming weekend. Uh, it's going to be Pioneer to a lot of people's dismay. On Twitter, I've seen people tweet about it. People aren't very happy with that format. Uh, I know I haven't played it a whole lot since they banned my girlfriend, Winota, and it made me real sad. Um, by I, mean, I don't think I've actually played a single game of Pioneer since I banned Winota. But I am excited. I like watching high-level Magic. I'm sure we will go super in-depth about it. If you're in the Atlanta area, you can go to DreamHack's website. They have a bunch of events going on. Honestly, it would probably almost be worth it, like a Grand Prix style, just to fly down there if you have the time and whatnot. Uh, a lot of cool stuff going on. And if you're into other games... DreamHack has all that going on as well. So, something to keep in mind. I hope the coverage is good. I don't know if Wizards team's going to handle the coverage, or if it's going to be DreamHack's team hiring the coverage people. We will see. Um, I'll probably be watching it. I don't have anything else going on. But yeah, I'm excited for quote-unquote the start of the Pro Tour again, or the road to the Pro Tour. Good to see you come back. Yeah, yeah, when I, uh, it's about time. I'm very excited. I just hope everything goes smoothly. And, uh, yeah. So this week, I know we guys kept you guys a very long time last week talking about Brothers War Limited. So this week, we're going to try to keep it a little shorter for you. And we're going to talk about 
what we think makes a good metagame. Uh, kind of thought of this because after the RC, I think a lot of people are going to call for certain bands possibly in Pioneer. People aren't going to be super happy with it. So I think the easiest thing to define what a good metagame looks like is to talk about what a bad metagame looks like. So, uh, Josh, what's you've played Magic forever. Yep, since it came out. Yeah, so Father Time, tell us what you think is a bad metagame or what makes a metagame bad. So a bad metagame is one where a deck is taking up too large a share of the meta or the players playing that deck. A bad metagame is also one that does not have enough interaction. Uh, Those are things that turn people off to playing the game. There's been several eras in history where you can point to and say that that happened. And they're not really debatable either. You can you you can see a large player drop off when those kinds of things happen. Wizards should be having the goal to make sure that doesn't happen, or at least it happens as little as possible. And I think that there's a few things they could do to uh, to work on that. We'll get into that a little bit later. What about you? What what what's your opinion of a bad metagame? Those are my two big reasons. So one thing, if you list uh, when Wizards talks about banning and stuff like that, usually it's like the, I want to say it's like the 23% metagame percentage with a positive win percentage, uh, or a yeah, metagame share, I guess is a better way to put it, with a positive win percentage is when they start to take note. There's a lot of things. Uh, like as far as standard goes, I've always liked the traditional like rock, paper, scissors format, where there's three decks and they all beat each other, lose to each other. And it kind of levels it out. But yeah, no, I never want Storm to be the best deck in a format. That is very bad. I'm a combo player. I love playing combo decks. But when that is what the best thing to do is, uh, it can be really bad. On the flip side of that, I think having too much interaction can also ruin a format. And I think two good examples... Well, to be fair, you got to put a caveat on that. The interaction in a timely manner is okay. I think you're talking about uh, formats. I was just going to say, I think you're talking about formats with cards like Sensei's Divining Top. Yeah, Blue-White Miracle is probably the biggest defender of this. Uh, You look it up, it's a legacy deck, if you guys don't know. But the top got banned just for a time thing. Because it was control deck versus control deck and everything going to, every round going to time. And it made playing Paper Magic very, very miserable. And I think even recently, I think the Yorian deck, the Yorian four-color Omnath deck, had the same kind of thing going. When I went and played a RC, a modern RC, or RCQ, excuse me. I'm not good enough to make it to RCs yet. But the modern RCQ I played in, there was it was a small one. There was like 50, less than, I think, 53 players. And there was probably four to five games that went to turns and at least two or three of them were decided by turns every round. And that just makes for a long, miserable day and a very unenjoyable. And even if it's like has a fair win percentage and it's not a giant, if it's once it becomes a big enough part of the format 
and a lot of things this happened in the Cobblade era as well when i first started playing people felt like they had to play it because it was quote unquote the best deck even if they absolutely hated to play it and i think when that starts to happen uh that just kind of ruins the format i get we play magic competitively and we take it all very serious but at the end of the day it's a game and you should enjoy playing your game yeah i agree uh, i remember playing uh in the affinity era mirrodin and sometimes the room would be 80 percent affinity decks now to be fair there were two or three different affinity decks but they all basically played the same play artifact lands play affinity cards and swing at your opponent playing one mana thought casts and somber hover guards and atogs and Eventually, with Darksteel, Arcbound Ravagers, and Bithon brought Cranial Plating. Um, it made the room not as fun as it could have been because everyone was playing the same decks. There was a lot of mirror matches. Yeah, there becomes this point, too, where in a metagame, instead, it kind of seems like rock, paper, scissors, but it's not. So, in the Cobblade era, Cobblade took up a bunch of the metagame share. And then there was decks that were decent against it, like Vampires and stuff. And those decks just got ran over by Valakut. But Valakut could not beat Cobblade ever. And the same thing kind of happened with the four-color decks in Modern, where people were bringing decks like uh, Char Belcher, Oops All Spells, whatever you want to call it, very linear combo decks to try to beat the overly interactive deck. But they auto-lost to Murktide Regent, or Blue-Red blue red merc tide and i don't think that's healthy either uh, it's interesting i don't know it's debatable i guess but i don't like metagames like that especially in a format like modern where i personally think there should be 10 plus decks that are playable at any given time like 10 to 15 to maybe even 20 decks that if you see them in a top eight of a tournament you're not overly surprised no i agree with that completely uh, I think that actually starts uh, with Standard. I think that you need to have a large variety of decks that are good in Standard. They, there's always going to be one best, but as long as everything else is close, you need a large variety of decks. And when you do have that, the older decks in uh, the older formats, they stay. They they, they get a upgrade here and there when new sets come out. Those older formats really should have a good variety of decks, much more than standard at that point to be considered a good metagame. I mean, how many decks do you think should be viable in standard at any given time? Like at a competitive level, not an FNM level, like at a RCQ, a Grand Prix, Magic Somewhere Online between Challenge. five and ten. Somewhere between really? five and ten. Yeah. Even in a small like standard right now before Brothers War. Yep. Where really I absolutely agree. I think that, uh, I mean, I could list off a bunch of different types of decks that could be around, uh, but there should definitely be a control deck, um, possibly more than one. There should definitely be a mid-range deck. There should be um, an aggro deck, and then there should be an aggro tempo deck. I mean, we're already at four right there. That's not including any random combos that are sticking around, you know, things like Grease Fang. They, they build their own decks. Uh, these decks should all be on the same general power level. 
Uh, there's yeah. always a money pile deck as well. There's there's always the deck in standard, or at least there should be, that just takes the best cards, tries to jam them all into a deck and overwhelm their opponent with value. I think when a standard comes out, there should be three-ish, three to five good top decks, which standard kind of has right now. You have Grixis, you have Esper, you have the mono blue deck that's running around. That next year. Uh, you just suck at playing it. Then uh, <laughs> you have uh, uh, there's like a five color humans list. The top eight of the challenge last week I was looking at looked pretty sweet uh, with Adeline and a bunch of other just cool human cards that synergize together. So no, like that's fine. And as as standard grows, I expect it to eventually be somewhere in the five to ten, like you're saying. But right now, there's so many. Well, part of it right now. Part of the issue, I guess, is the Innistrad sets don't have good cards in them. Really. They're yeah, banned. there's there's no powerhouses, so you have uh, to be playing Fable, the Mirror Breaker, and Shield or Shieldred, or both of them. Yep. Or, Part of that is the shift from sixty card constructed to commander. They're filling the sets with a lot of cards they know aren't going to get played in constructed they're not meant to they're meant to be commander cards so you have a smaller pool of cards that can be good yeah and i don't know i haven't seen a standard fnm in a long time they don't um, fire we we haven't been able to fire one in a long time and it's sad i think standard needs to make a comeback and i hope when they especially right now like i think standard's fairly enjoyable as a format i'm excited to see if brothers war changes it up at all but I hope that changes because when you make bannings based off a ladder system and not a tournament structure system, it becomes really bad, in my opinion, for a format. The other thing, too, that I think, I don't want to say warps the data, but causes a lot of kind of problems, and it's the player's fault, per se. Like, take guys like Aspiring Spike. They build random decks with cards that we've had in the card pool for modern for years and comes up with a new list. Top eight, top eight's a challenge with it. Plays it for a while. Everyone copies his list. He five owns a couple leagues and they're good decks. I mean, they might not be top tier one decks all the time, but they're tier two decks. So I wonder how much the internet's just stopped innovation from happening specifically in modern. Uh, it's not specifically modern. It's in all formats. You're you're dead think, on there, I think, but I think it's all formats that that's happening. Yes, yeah, no, because so legacy is kind of a pet deck format. Like you guys hear me talk about painter servant combo all the time, and that is a good deck. But there's people that play burn and pox, and there's small pox, and like those decks aren't great by any means. Um, but that's what they like playing. That's what they enjoy. And that's what they built in paper. And people just have their legacy deck. And I'm really surprised modern hasn't switched to that. Mostly from a price standpoint, you know, uh, back way back in the day, it was, you got invested in legacy, you bought your dual lands. And then, you know, if you got the green, white dual lands, Savannah's, you know, you, you played Maverick. If you got blue, white, you played miracles. And that's just what you played. And when you look at the legacy community in general, 
people play the same deck for two, three years a lot of times. I mean, obviously on Magic Online with rental systems, you can jump around a little bit more. But especially in paper, when they own a deck, that is what they play. And sometimes it's really good in the metagame, and they start winning tournaments, and sometimes it's really bad. And they don't win tournaments. But and Modern never really has that. It seems like people... There's nothing wrong with net decking, by any means. I do it all the time. I'm not a great deck builder. But I feel like there's a lot of room for innovation in that format. There's a lot more decks that could be getting played, but just aren't? No, I I 100% think you're right. Uh, The the format is not uh, too broken to have innovation in it. And you can see that with guys like Spike and the decks that they come up with, they're using cards that everybody kind of wrote off or hadn't even thought about in a lot of cases. That is essential for an older formats metagame. You need that. You need those cards. And that's what I mean when I say all of these decks should be existing in modern. You're not going to see every deck all the time, uh, especially some of the ones that are a little trickier to pilot or a little less raw powerful they're not going to crop up here, you know, all the time, but they should show up once in a while. They should, and they should have a decent shot at being competitive and they should be able to sneak in cards in their main deck or sneak in cards in their sideboard that let them get through the top contenders. Anytime a meta gets to the point where a deck is taking up more than 20% of a share, you should be able to capitalize on that with something else. That makes a healthy meta game. Absolutely. Uh, so if you look at the Legacy Challenge uh, from this weekend, I think it was from the Sunday one? Saturday one? One of the ones I looked at. There was zero uh, Delver decks, well, traditional blue-red Delver decks, in the top eight. And that is by far the biggest portion of the metagame. The best deck. People call for bans all the time for it. So it's just kind of interesting to see that the metagame shifted around it and is adapted. Now, there was a Nimble Mongoose Rug Murktide Regent deck that I looked love pretty that sweet. Uh, that looked pretty cool. And it was kind of a I mean, same thing. You know, uh, they got to play Minskin Boo on their sideboard. I think they top forward. I'd have to double check. That deck looks pretty sweet. So, no, I agree with you that there should be room for innovation. And I think a big part of this, as well, is we haven't had competitive magic, really. And then the Mythic Championships, when they were doing that on Arena. So in these older formats, you know, it used to be you go watch the Pro Tour. Uh, I'll date myself here for a minute. I skipped school when I was 16, 17 years old. Just turned 17, I think. This is 2010. And to... Go to my buddy's house and watch Pro Tour pairs and watch the finals and uh, watch replays on YouTube because I didn't have internet at my house. And I watched a deck called Call Go, which was Call Blade without Stoneforge Mystic, win the Pro Tour. And it was very revolutionary. And you had these teams that worked on these decks for the metagame and they'd show up at the Pro Tour and some of them would just dominate and it would really change what the format looked like. So I'm interested to see, because I'm Pioneer, I feel like not a lot of people are happy with Pioneer, because there's kind of the mono green test right now. Can you beat mono green, the mono green devotion deck? And if you can't, you can't play your deck. 
that's just where the bar is, and a lot of people don't really like that. So I wonder if we're going to see some innovation in this uh, regional championship this weekend, or if it's going to be a dud. I don't know. How much have you been watching Pioneer at all lately? Following it at all? I don't follow it too closely. I keep up with the decks that are good, you know, such as the Devotion deck. I love watching the uh, off-the-wall decks, the Lotus Field decks, the weird ones. I like watching those decks. Yeah, I'm interested because, I mean, they've championed Pioneer kind of as their new format. And if enough people complain about it, and maybe it's just the people I follow on social media. If you guys think I'm wrong, email me. TOFA podcast at gmail.com. Tell me how stupid I am. I'd love to hear your feedback. But yeah, dealing with uh, it's a, it's something big. I expect to see Brothers War cards hopefully get played this weekend because that used to always be the exciting thing about the Pro Tour, especially when it was standard. Was yep, see, what, what, see what's going to get played. And it was always crunch time. You know, preview season was a whole different ball game because people were trying to figure out decks and they had to test with paper proxies with little teams and stuff like that. There's a lot of good stories that come out of that era of magic, and I hope it comes back. So I guess we can we talked about standard. What do you think makes good pioneer modern formats? Well, I, I think what makes a good standard format makes a good any format. Uh, if I want to see less mana fixing in formats and pioneer has tried to achieve that with no fetch lands i think that's a great step i want to see more interaction but not interaction that ends games i don't want to see interaction like force of will being the only thing you can do to stop a degenerate combo i want to see interaction uh, combat interaction, removal interaction, uh, hand disruption interaction, uh, sideboard card interaction, those kinds of things that actually drag a game out a few extra turns uh, make for more enjoyable, thought-provoking games. They make it feel like when you're playing them that your skill is what mattered the most in the game. When you win a game, you feel good because you made the right play. When you lose a game, you think back and you go, how could I have done this differently? There's a lot of games that I play that don't have that feeling, and it, it takes away a lot. Yeah, when a lot of games are decided just by RNG, uh, it just doesn't feel good. That's why we and I have talked about this before. It's why I stopped playing Hearthstone, is it really felt that all the games were just decided by who high rolled the best and put themselves in a position to high roll the best. So I think Pioneer. If you look, I'm just on MTG Goldfish right now. So you have uh, the Mono Green Devotion at about 15%, Rakdos Midrange at about 14% of the metagame. And this is over the last 30 days. And then Is It Phoenix is 12% roughly. And then it goes Mono White Humans under 8%, Grease Fang under 7%. And it just goes down from there. And there's not people try new things in this format. And I'm, like, again, I said before, I think I'm really wrong. I hope I'm really wrong about this. I mean, but I think we're not going to get a lot of innovation out of this regional championship. And it's going to make me very sad. And depending on how it shapes up, it might cause a ban in that format. Uh, time will tell, I guess. Well, before Modern. we move on from that, 
let's talk about bands for a minute. One of the things I think is really unhealthy for metas is constant bands. You? Yeah, that's uh, why I think a lot of people quit playing standard. I agree. Through MFL Drain. Just whatever was the best thing. You know, the band. I, I didn't play standard at the time a whole lot, so I'm not super familiar. But they banned Oko, and then they banned the Fires of Invention deck, and so on and so forth, just down yeah. the list of cards. And when one got banned, the next super powerful card showed up. Uh, and we kind of paid the price later on with like the Innistrad sets. All the sets that came out in 2020 was roughly two years after that. And that's how long it takes them to design a set. And they were all very powered down. And it was very apparent. I'm really happy that this year, it seems that there's been a lot of balance cards. But yeah, no. Uh, banning cards often uh, seems bad. I really think you should only be banning a card when it is exceptionally powerful like over the top powerful you leave the powerful cards in and let the players sort out the metagame you'll find out that players are smarter than you give them credit for if a card is a problem they find a way around it you only need to take out the major 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 issues things like skull clamp things like oko things like memory jar these are cards that needed to be banned things Someone. like winota I don't think it did. I think I loved playing Winota, but the format was very... Uh, everyone, Doomwake, used this term a lot. It was just two ships passing in the night. That's what the whole format was. You gotta Who give can, it more time. They gave it a decent amount of time. I don't know. I think it's okay. I think it made a healthier format and let more decks possibly pop up. I'm surprised it didn't cause the Devotion deck to get banned right away. But Winota was a kind of a combo deck that just had a backup plan of playing decent creatures and beating your face in. And, just, and even when I won with Winota, like it never felt like I outplayed my opponent. Ever. They just dude on oh. one, dude on two, dude on three, Winota. There's no denying that she's powerful. There's no denying that she's powerful, but it's a creature that requires other creatures to attack. I mean, that's that's beatable. It is beatable. Now, whether or not you want to warp your deck to beat it is a different question. You you let that go rampant long enough, and people will uh, hopefully adjust and try to take advantage of the fact that in any given Pioneer tournament, there's going to be a whole lot of people playing Winota, so you adapt and you bring a deck that beats Winota. Maybe it loses to most other things, but you're beating Winota. And then when that happens, the Winota numbers go down, and people start bringing other decks that can you know, handle the janky nonsense that you brought to beat Winota. So let's say banning one deck opens up five other decks to be played in a format. Banning a card opens up five other archetypes, let's say. Three to five. Yeah. Do you think it's a good ban? It depends on the card that's being banned. I, I strongly believe that you don't need to ban the card to open up those other decks. All you need to do is have enough of the deck that gives that deck a bad matchup become prevalent so that those other decks can creep back in. Like We've talked about this before. Winota was a top-tier deck for well over a year. 
Sure. And other decks would jump up to be on the same rate as it. Uh, most notably, the Blue Red Phoenix deck was really popular. And then people found ways to beat it, went down. And no one ever seemed to find the thing that beat Winota, the only deck that had a decent ish matchup, I think, from what I played of it. And I didn't play a whole bunch. I think I played the deck for like a month when I was getting into Pioneer there for a minute. But like the blue white control decks. Yeah, with Wrath of Gods. Well, the, the, uh, this is Pioneer. So you have Supreme Verdict and that's yeah. it. But well, the Wrath, deck just, Wrath effects. But the deck just ruled, ruled over to the rest of the format. Like every other deck in the format. Um, so I don't know. And if it was a skill intensive deck, or uh, it just, I don't I think when your best deck, and you and I talked about this before the show, your best deck should be an aggro deck because that causes control decks to pop up or stuff like that, or a tempo deck. Like, I think that's fine. When your best deck and your formats combo, it makes a format bad. And when it is a combo deck, I mean, it's combo combo you can interact with, but. Let's say, I mean, you, you want it to exist, and it still exists. The Mono Green Tron deck goes infinite in a very long, convoluted way. Yeah, very. But it's not... Uh, I don't know. I, I'm fine with the Winota ban. I think that was okay. I don't want pro tours and big tournaments to be decided by who draws more Winotas, who flips better. In these non-interactive matchups, um, and maybe it's I, the players' fault. Maybe people just default to playing the best deck too often. Th- I but. really think it's more that. I, I think a lot of players don't believe that they can beat the best deck, so they just play the best deck. I think that's actually a mentality shift through the years. Um, largely due to the internet telling you slapping in your face Murktide's the deck to play Winota's the deck to play you have to play black red uh, mid-range and standard you know they just they slam all this at you and it gets hard to think that you know you could be smarter than all of these people that are playing it and as that number goes up and up it gets harder and harder to argue against it yeah I agree with that you brought up Murktide there so this another thing when we're looking at this is we have to look at like accurate data. Uh, the biggest issue uh, when Wizards release their ban announcements, usually the Legacy one is like this last Legacy one. I don't know if you read it, but they listed Leyline Binding as a new card in the format, <laughs> yeah, and it, I saw it's, that. it was so bad. Like, uh, yeah, it just they they instantly became a meme. Someone else should write that. Someone probably should have got fired. That. Uh, Leyline Binding, what does this do? I've never seen this card before. <laughs> right. Uh, but no, so if you look on leagues and legacy, there's not that a lot of Merktide in leagues. I mean there's there's some, but it's not a huge portion of the metagame. It's maybe 20%. Yeah, but go look on any site and what deck says is uh, every site says Merktide's the best deck. Right, but if you look at results for paper tournaments, and again, I think a lot of this comes from the fact that when people, if you're not a legacy player, that's not your main way you play the game of Magic, you just pick up, uh, if you play Merktide Regent in Modern, it translates pretty well to legacy. The decks play quite the same. Um, 
And so a lot of people pick it up and it sees a whole bunch of play and paper tournaments, especially. And a lot of people call for bans. I don't play enough legacy outside of my magic online to really comment on that. I don't know what you ban out of that deck to make it better. We could do a whole episode on that, but yeah, no, anything. I think it's fine right now. And it's, I think as far as that goes, I think they need to do with legacy what they did for popper. So if you guys don't follow popper, uh, probably close to a year ago now, maybe beginning of this year, I don't remember which they started a committee headed by Gavin Verhe and other, um, popper people in the popper community and they control the ban list and they ban and unban things and when they came into it they did a lot of changes right away and they let stuff develop um but it's community ran kind of like how the commander format is so i think legacy needs something like that because clearly wizards of the coast isn't paying attention to what they're doing i i think every format needs something like that who knows better than uh, the players is to what they want to play with and against. Yeah. And like standards, a little easier to regulate. I think even pioneer um, and modern. So like formats, there's one big sanctioned legacy event a year that's held by wizards and it's eternal weekend. Uh, so I guess three of them, cause there's one on each continent technically uh, same thing with vintage. Though Vintage is easily regulated, I think, because it's only on Magic Online. Those statistics are very easy to see, for them to see, because there's uh, people don't have $60,000 to build Vintage decks on the regular. Or, or more. Or, or more. Or more. On the budget side, sixty grand. No, I think, uh, I think something like that in Legacy would be really good. So I know the one thing that you and I kind of disagree with uh, especially in modern, is the number of cards showing up. Because before I said modern wasn't in the worst place ever. I didn't think it was an awful format. Uh, there was kind of this rock, paper, scissors. Besides the four and five color Omnath decks taking forever and making tournaments Ban the fetch lands, you'll fix those problems. Well, we know that's not going to happen. Ever. I think that's, that's just the mute. It's like banning Brainstorm. And legacy brainstorms busted force of wills busted you have to play pyroblast in the main fetch lands are just going to be a part of modern um i think red and six is the easiest way to take care of that it just got a reprint so that's not going to happen for a while i think a lot of people agree with me but you pointed out a lot of these decks share cards yeah a lot of the decks play the same cards they just play them in, uh, they play the same shell they just play a different overall deck around that shell uh and i think that you can look at those shells and you can see where the real power is when they make bannings which i'm again i'm very much against most bannings but when they make bannings they don't always pick cards from the shell and that ends up being a problem because if you ban a card like Merktide, you didn't really solve the problem. The, they'll just put in a different endgame threat. The card in that deck that, in my opinion, is the real problem is Dragon's Rage Channeler. Yeah, you're talking about Legacy specifically, I assume. Well, Legacy, Modern, I mean, you can look at the shells for each format. That example was Legacy, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I just don't want everyone 
sliding in our DMs telling us, why do you want the most popular modern deck banned? We don't, guys. Merktite's fine. I play it on Magic Online. Um, but I get what you're saying. Like, So you have the Creativity deck, you have the Omnath deck, and to a point, even the Cascade Crashing Footfalls deck. And Living End. I put all the Cascade decks together, kind of. Well, Living End doesn't play as many of the same cards. They don't play Fury and whatnot. Uh, they don't play... Maybe they play Leyline Binding now? I don't know. I haven't played Modern. Well, Living End does play Leyline Binding, uh, but the, the core in that deck isn't actually the Cascade card itself. Uh, it isn't actually what they use to win. You know, the, the weird cyclers they throw or the... The crashing footballs itself. The cards that they use to win in those decks are the actual enablers, the cascade spells, not the spell they cascade into, is what I mean to say. Okay, okay. Well, no, I'm getting at it. There's a lot of run in six decks in modern, and that enables a lot of stuff. You're yep. almost, you're a run in six deck, you're an Urza Saga deck, or you're a Merktide region deck yep. or a Cascade deck. Those are kind of the four things you are. And there's some, lately there's been some things changing that. The Rakdos midrange deck, the Rakdos scam, as it called, is showing up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess we could sit here and complain all day about all this stuff, but how do you fix these problems? Well, uh, like I just said, I think the best way to fix these problems is to look at the common cards being played and decide whether or not those cards are too powerful to exist, to, to be in the format. And if you are going to make a banning and Renin 6 is in several of your best decks, maybe it's Renin 6 that you need to ban. Maybe it's not Omnath. Maybe it's not... It, there's so many other cards that get banned that aren't actually crucial pieces. Let look at the ban list that exists now and look at the number of cards that are on it that could be unbanned. That's a whole other episode. Right, but right that's there. uh but that's a, a a point on the meta is they've already banned cards that maybe didn't need to be banned. Or maybe don't need to be banned anymore because there's been a couple times over the last few years. War of the Spark was the first one with the War of the Spark Planeswalkers that bumped up a lot of the Eternal formats and quote-unquote rotated them. And then Modern Horizons 2 obviously had a huge impact and really warped the Modern and Legacy format, for that matter. Possibly uh, possibly Vintage? Uh, uh, Mod Modern Horizons 2 flipped everything on its head. Yeah. I think that it's... Like, I like a lot of the cards. I enjoy playing Magic, so it's hard for me to be critical of all of these. But free spells are not good for a format, necessarily. Like, they just power-leveled so many things out. But maybe they didn't. Maybe, like we were talking about before, maybe there's a bunch of other viable stuff people aren't playing. But I don't think so. I don't think there's a lot of viable things. So... Well, just go watch Spike's channel. I mean, he's got dozens of decks that uh, he can do well with. And yes, they may not be quite as good as some of the other ones, but the fact that they exist 
means that they can be tuned to be even better than they are if you know they saw more play there are plenty of decks that can be played people aren't willing to play them they want to play the easy win a lot of the time agreed and a lot of the resources since covid comes from magic online and i'm sure that warps things a little bit um compared to paper especially like Tide's the most popular and has even when Omnath was super popular, it was the most popular modern deck for paper because yep. it is rather affordable compared to most of the format. Um, yeah, there's we could get into a lot of stuff. There's companions and what you could do with that and how that affects formats, but that would take forever. We have like four yeah. episodes, we're like about to start, so we're not gonna super get into it. I guess we'll just kind of run through the formats real quick and say what you would change. So standard, obviously, is about to have a big change. I don't have a lot to say about this because it's probably getting, what, 25 30% bigger with Brothers War being released? Yeah, I don't have a ton to say about standard until I see if any of the Brothers War cards uh, bring some new decks into the fold. Uh, I can say that I'm a little less than happy with the current quantity of decks. Uh, but new sets, new decks, as you were saying, I'm hoping that that changes. I'd like to see more variety in standard. The interaction in standard is fantastic right now. There's actually a lot of plays to be made, even in uh, mirror match decks. So I do like that. Yeah, and if you, and if you look at the mirror match decks, like the Esper decks and the Grixis decks, every list is a little different. There's different one-ofs they play and kind of different builds just built around the same shell. And when you have a very mid-range-ish mid archetype as your main focus, that's just going to happen. Like, a lot of interaction is going to happen. I think that makes enjoyable magic to watch and enjoyable magic to play. The biggest issue is, like, what are you going to be doing better on turn four than casting Shieldred in the future? Or, or turn three and casting Fable. There are some powerful cards... Well, in Fable, at least you have a little competition, you know, because you're either Fable or you're Rafine. You know, you kind of got to pick one or the other there. And there's Wedding Announcement. But, you know, I get what you're saying. There's, um, when you go to Brew in that format, it's always, well, I could just play one more of Insert Staple card that is just good. I just think fun. that's acceptable, though. Like, I'm, I'm okay with those cards being prevalent as long as they're not shutting out all the other cards. And I don't think they are. Like, people are playing other four drops other than Shieldred. People are playing other three drops other than Fable and Rapine. Yes, they're the most common. Uh, I think with Brothers War coming out, we'll see some new decks. The set after that, we'll see some more. I, I think Standard's probably okay. Wizards needs to do a better job of getting people to play it, but that's a different story. Yeah, that's a whole different story. Uh, moving on to Pioneer. From what you've seen of the format, and Josh and I don't play a whole bunch of for, uh, Pioneer, but from what have you seen from this format, what do you think of it and its current state? I think Pioneer is the biggest unexplored territory. I love it because the best deck is Mono Green. I think that deck is beatable. I think that there's a lot of decks that can come in with some tuning, with some tournament play, so you can get some good competition against them to see what your your build is weak against or needs. 
it has a great pool. It has some uh, cards that I agree with not being in the format, like the Petch Lands. It means that you have to play more fair magic. There's some neat combos in the format. Uh, I Like I said before, I really like the uh, Lotus Field decks. I think they're a lot of fun. A lot of innovation has already been done with those decks and how to make that card do things. I'm looking forward to Pioneer, uh, but I think it's also in the same spot as Standard where there's not enough players playing it. I don't know if we'll get that innovation. I don't know. There's quite a few players playing Pioneer, like quadrupled in size as soon as they announced that this is going to be. I mean, the, the regional championships this weekend, and it is Pioneer. Um, and there's people testing this. Which is great. I, I love it. Yeah, I think the mono green deck's probably a little too good. Um, it is a scary deck. And it's just, I just don't think it's that good for the format. And again, like we're talking about before, I want my best deck to be skill intensive to a point, And it just isn't. Uh, like, into a yeah, point. That's arguable. That's yeah. arguable. And there's, there's a couple cards. Like I, I don't think you need to nuke the mark archetype, but... I don't know how many Karn the Great Creator targets they can keep printing and that card still be allowed. But then you have the issue of Karn's not in the format. How good does Grease Fang get? Because Karn just straight stonewalls that deck. Um, so as long as Mono Green's popular, Grease Fang's going to be less popular. Well, that's a, again, that's a deck building choice. If you build your Grease Fang deck to be completely dead to Karn, then you're going to be dead to Karn. Well, there I mean, are just... absolutely cards you can play to kill Karn if you're playing Grease Fang. No, I mean, and they play them and whatnot, but it's it's the biggest roadblock from that deck. And, you know, I don't know if I want Grease Fang to be the best deck. So I don't know. I hope some new decks show up. And here's an example. I don't remember what podcast I was listening to. Um, Constructive Criticism, I think, was talking a couple weeks ago. Maybe it wasn't. It was one of them talking about Pioneer. And the Rakdos midrange deck was the most played the kind of the, the shielded money pile deck, yep. Fable the Mirror Breaker, whatever. Uh, but it had a below 50% win percentage. It was at the, no, it was the NRG series. Excuse me. It was on the Dive Down, was the podcast I listened to. Check those guys out. Great podcast. Official podcast, the NRG series. But, anyways, they were talking about win percentages and whatnot. And it was like the most popular deck, but it had a, less than 50% win percentage, which I thought was really interesting. I think that really just shows a lot of times people go online, copy deck lists, and I'm fine if Rakdos is the best deck because it is an interactive deck, and you really have to know the format to make that deck good. Well, that uh, says a lot as well. When, when it's the most played deck, and then you have tournament results showing that it's not also the most winning deck, that tells you right there that there are decks you can play. Because if, right. if everybody's playing black red and they're losing, that means other people are playing things that are winning. Right. That was at one event, mind you. The, those statistics were from a single event. So uh, not a super large sample size, but just interesting enough. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at in Pioneer. I really hope I next Monday or this weekend when I turn on my computer, watch the stream, that I just see some deck I've never seen before, and it blows me out of the water. And I'm excited, but I don't I don't know if that'll happen. I might just see a lot of mono green and some, yeah. We well, will see. We'll find out. We will find out. The next format's modern. How do you feel about modern? This is usually where you and I start arguing. Yeah. Modern sucks. 
Uh, modern's not terrible. There's a lot of decks you can play in modern, and I and I appreciate that. Um, and there's no one deck that's taking up a massive share of the meta. I love that. I just think the overall card power in modern is too strong. But at this point, without banning 50 plus cards, we're not getting past that. So it's a problem that I'm going to have to live with in modern. Other than that, I think, like I said, modern is in a relatively healthy spot. I would like to see them unban some cards so that we can increase the uh, quantity of decks being played. Specific cards, not all of them. But. Yeah, I kind of differ from you. Like, I like modern as a whole. We've seen it change. You know, uh, at first people were like, Regavan has to get banned. It need to get banned. I was on that train at first, you know. Like, I was heavily on... against that, by the way. But. You know, the metagame changed, things shifted, and then Regavan wasn't as strong. Um, the, there's one card specifically that I would love to see leave the modern format. It would change a lot of decks. It would really shake things up, and I would just want Renin Six gone. I know we said it before, but the four-color deck should not be able to play Blood Moon effects. I that agree. That, like, that is not good. And you know, a bunch of people were playing Blue-White Control Splash Renin Six because it's just that Good of value, and that they, but I think they split those the only red and green cards that was playing in the main. I will Maybe put it on record that I think red and six is the wrong ban, and the correct ban is fetch lands. But I will also say that since I am fairly positive that will not happen, red and six is a card that I would say should be banned. Yeah, I, th I think you get one or the other. You know, they already made this decision in Legacy. Either you get wasteland or you get red and six, and. They chose Wasteland because that's a tournament, a staple of that format. And I think it's the same thing in Modern. I'm fine with fetch lanes. I'm fine with somewhat greedy mana bases. But somewhat greedy mana bases. That's a joke. Insanely I mean, greedy mana bases. Well, sure. But you should be punished for them. The Leyline Binding deck should get punished by Blood Moon. It should get punished by Megas to the Moon. Yes. It, it, it does to a point, but uh, it's. Not quite there. And besides that, I don't know. I think it's going to be a long time before Modern really shakes up. At least I hope so. Because... Probably until the Lord of the Rings set. Yeah. But how much more just cracked cards can we print? Huh. You know, like... like don't this year, don't ask that question. Like, this year we've done pretty good, I think. Especially out of the standard formats. You know, you had Fable the Mirror Breaker, maybe a touch too strong, but it didn't read that strong. No one was super hot on that card at first. I mean, yeah. it was good. We all just looked at the backside and didn't realize how good the front side was. Yeah, if and you then, were a genius, you could have bought them for like three, four bucks a piece. Then, uh, then um, Ledger Shredder, you could have bought for like a dollar a piece. Yeah, right when it came out. Yeah, and no one talked about that during preview season. No one mentioned it. Um, that card's real good. And then you got Shieldred and Leyline Binding, uh, the Dominary United. And I think both those cards are fine. I think they're good playable cards. They fit into archetypes, maybe help out some archetypes. And I, that's what I like to see in a format like Modern. That's a non-eternal, non-rotating format. I but, agree. I agree. Uh, I just think, I just don't think Renin 6 is good for the format. I like it when the best card in a set is a Shieldred. When it, when the best card in a set is playable and vintage, but not game breaking, you did 
really good on the card. Yeah. And at the end of the year, I'm sure we're going to do a summary of this year, but I really want to, we'll say it right now, I think Wizards did a really good job design standpoint, um, especially with their standard sets. So we won't get into yep. legacy and vintage because that's their own beast. I don't want to make legacy people mad. I get real angry uh, on the internet. Qu- quick note on legacy and vintage, though. Those formats are intended to be over the top. They're playing practically everything in Magic. There is no way to properly balance those formats, and I don't think it's even needed. The, those formats are played by players who want to play big, flashy cards. Those players know they're going to lose to big, flashy cards sometimes. Yeah, it's the... It, blue cards are the best cards of Magic. We just kind of have to deal with that. So in the lo- older formats, main deck Pyroblasts are going to be a thing. <laughs> yep. I don't think it's super unhealthy. Uh, Delver, so I mean, I'm in the last 30 days on Goldfish still. Delver's 22% of the metagame. The next biggest chunk, 7.2%. So maybe there's an issue there. Uh, it's either channel or expressive iteration. If you're going to ban something out of that deck, you can't ban Murktag because there's a million other cards that can replace it that are just slightly worse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, and there's still there's still a lot of innovation uh, in legacy, the legacy decks. There was uh, somewhere in Europe, there was a fairly decent sized two day uh, legacy event. Well, there was a legacy event on Saturday and a legacy event on Sunday, and a guy top aided with a Valakut deck. Yep, and I saw that. that. Pretty, and then the the next day, he top aided with a Naya Stompy deck. Oh, I didn't see that one, but that makes me happy. Yeah, so there's still a lot of cool stuff. I think most of these formats are fine. Uh, either play Delver till they ban it and make them mad. But if we don't play it on Magic Online, they're not going to do anything about it. Then Vintage is just busted. There's just, yeah. But that's a crazy part. Like, I put together a bad Oath of Druids deck that you played, right? And that deck still won games. I'm just happy I have it on recorded now that you said that was a bad deck. I'm glad you understand that. Hey, I knew it was a bad deck when I built it, but I really like playing Oath and Vintage. It's just, it's my pet deck. I've always liked that deck. And I like all the different variations of it. What I love about the format is that I can play that deck. And if I play it well and have a little bit of luck, I can actually win with it. Yeah, Vintage is pretty wide open and what you can play. And it kind of goes through. I'm actually level one and the Vintage Discord has a breakdown of everything. If you guys want to get into that format check out the statistics. It's like years of it being cataloged and win percentages and all that stuff. If you're into what? looking at a bunch of data, it is very good. What other format can you win on turn one and then in game two, hard cast the Sphinx of the Steel Wind to win? Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's, I love it. Yeah, no. I've been playing a lot of Vintage. I guess I didn't talk about that earlier in the episode. Uh, I played the Vintage Challenge. I played, I think, three leagues. I think I'm settling on I want to cast Tinker. Um, the Hogak decks are good, but they're not. I just want to play with busted restricted cards. I think it's the best thing you can be doing in that format. So that's kind of all we got on what we think metagames are. Hopefully we didn't keep you guys here too long. You have any final thoughts? Where can people find you? Stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I'm still at war games and, uh, Looking at the snow that just fell yesterday, enjoying that. 
other than that, you're going to have to come up into the snow to find me. Fair enough. You can find me at Twitter at play to your outs spelled out. You can find the podcast at T O F a podcast, or you can send us an email at T O F a podcast at gmail.com. If you guys have listened this far, uh, we've really grown. This is our fourth episode. We got, I thought it'd take months to get as many listeners as we have right now. So I want to thank you all. I want to thank all my friends that I've shared this with that have listened to. And then the people I don't know, because more people listen to this than I send out. So please just send us an email. Uh, building a community is a big part of magic for me. Uh, reach out to us, follow us on Twitter, interact with us. We'd love to get to know you. Um, besides that, have a great day. I'll see you all next week.